Yo, yo, just a disclaimer. This podcast is meant for informational purposes only. We are not financial advisors, so please do your own research. Welcome to Going Deep with AJ and Vernon, presented by Vayner Sports Pass. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Going Deep with me, AJ Vaynerchuk, and my co-host, Vernon Wells. Um, as we're doing the prep for today, no shortage of topics, both in sports and Web3. So I'll kick it off. Uh, pun not intended, but I guess it worked. Uh, NFL's back. Week one was a good one. Interesting weekend. A um, lot happened with our clients. A lot happened in the league. Vern, what were some of your biggest takeaways from week one? My Cowboys suck. Um, oh, that hurt. Yeah, that was yeah, that was tough. I don't think it's ever good to start a season off with more penalties than points, uh, and possibly nearly as many penalty yards as yards, offensive yards. So yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was glorious to watch. And Dax out for what, like six to eight weeks or so? They're saying about yeah, six to eight weeks. So it's just going to get better from here on out. So it's always such a gut punch when the team that you love and root for has such a fast call it um, because I'm not going to say that the Cowboys season is over because that would be naive and unfair, but that's such a gut punch right away. Star quarterback hurt bad loss. Like I just remember, like I'll never forget 1999. So growing up a diehard jet fan and in 98, they had made the AFC championship game and had the lead at halftime and lost to John Elway and the Broncos. And then in that offseason, Parcells went out and got a bunch of veterans. and just kind of like, you know, the thing that you do when you feel like you're close, right? You go Like what Buffalo did in getting Von Miller. Like you feel like you have a Super Bowl team. You go out, you get a big-time veteran or two. You know, the Jets brought in guys like Steve Atwater, Eric Baxter, et cetera. And then first game of the season against the Patriots, uh, Vinny Testaverde, who I know is not Montana, Favre, Elway, but if people remember Vinny in that mm-hmm. 98 season absolutely lit it up for the Jets. Yeah. And they were and they were rolling. And I forget, second or third quarter, there's a fumble on a handoff. And Vinny sees that there's a fumble and goes to get the ball. And as he plants to kind of like change direction, get the ball, tears his Achilles. And he's done. And the Jets went into a huge downfall. They were like one and eight that year to start. And they actually finished, I think. They might have been like two and eight and finished eight and eight. They got hot yeah. at the end. It was such a talented team, but without Vinny, just you know, when you don't have your quarterback and just, I mean, that was what? That's three. That's twenty three years ago, and I remember it clear as day. And still feel the feeling of like your season's over before it got going. Yeah, I think week one losses. It is week one losses. I think several right. of them you look at and there's still a lot of positive but, to take away from but, it. But but, but the quarterback, but the quarterback yeah. getting hurt. And exactly. they weren't doing anything when he was in the game because right. it's just but your the, we- point, the weapons aren't the same. No, but week one, you do have to kind of throw out the window. There's so many examples. Like a, my favorite example to point to when people overreact or underreact or whatever. Um, when Lawyer Malloy left the Patriots and went to the Buffalo Bills in like the mid-2000s, this is right in the middle of the Patriots and Brady being unbelievable. I want to say the Bills beat the Patriots like 30 to nothing or 31 to three, just absolutely blew them out of the building week one. And the Patriots won the Super Bowl and the Bills missed the playoffs. Like week one, you can 
it can be an outlier. So um, on our client side, really fun, productive week for our clients. Um, some standout performances off the top of my head. Kirk Cousins and the Vikings look great. Kirk mm-hmm. was getting it to Jefferson and Vikings really dominated that game. And the offense looked good under a new head coach. Um, one of our younger guys, Rashad Weaver, who had pretty much a lost rookie year from injury, um, had two sacks in uh, week one, which was awesome. Our guy, DJ Reed, um, despite the Jets not having a great overall performance, he was locked down. Yeah, he he was. had a pick, he had a forced fumble, didn't give up a catch, had a pass breakup. Pro Football Focus's number one rated corner last week. Um, just a, there was a few more good things that happened, but those are some of the highlights for our client list, which was nice. Um, you know, Jets were not the most exciting um, performance, so hopefully they can bounce back. You know, not only do I have DJ there, but I think everybody knows I grew up a diehard Jet fan, so they still have, hold a place in my heart for sure. Um, well, you and I can just hold each other on our losses, yeah. and we can console each other and cry on each other's shoulders until well, it's we kind t- of the same thing. Like, if you're a Jet fan, you're excited for the year. You know, they had a great draft the year before. They had all these high picks this year, made some great free agent signings, including our guy DJ Reed. And then the preseason starts. And in the first quarter of the preseason, the starting quarterback who drafted number two overall the mm-hmm. year before looks to have torn his ACL. That's what it was a foregone conclusion. Now it turned out to be not as severe, but he's still out another game or two or two to three games. Yeah. Similar type of gut punch. Um, for all my friends that are Jeff fans, like you're excited. You're not even trying to be greedy. You're just like, I just want to see progress in the right direction. And boom, young star quarterback out right away. And yeah, my group text, my cell phone was exploding that day. To say the least. <laughs> uh, what about uh, sticking to sports for another minute? What about the U.S. Open? Do you watch much tennis uh, this last go around? I do. I enjoy tennis. Okay. Enjoy are playing you, it and watch, watch it? a lot of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Tell me more. What were some of your takeaways? Well, obviously, starting with Serena. Um, I mean, she's she's Serena. Uh, it was it was fun to watch her make it as far as she did. It seems like she's she willed herself to get to that point. Um, and just off of who she is as a as a player, who she is as a competitor. Um, but my focus was more on the men. Like the men's matches were were really good. Um, mm-hmm. And you look at you look at the future of tennis, and you, you always start to wonder, like, okay, Federer's at the end, yeah, also doing it, but he's getting close. Uh, you have Djokovic, obviously, who's if he's vaccinated, he'd still be in, he'd be in this tournament, and you never know what would happen. Um, but the future of tennis looks bright. No, absolutely. Um, I would say this was maybe the most engaged um, I've been with tennis. I've always been like a very casual fan. I'll watch, you know, a final for any of the majors. My wife and I like it. Um, We go once a year to the U.S. Open. It's right in our backyard. But then this year uh, was pretty awesome because we had the Vayner Sports Pass event there. And we got, for lack of a better term, super fucking lucky because the suite that we got for the day and the night was the Friday in which Serena played uh, her last match. So, like, being in the suite with those holders, our community, and getting, like, the stadium was electric. And then I think the other cool thing too, is you were just saying it and saying it right. Um, tennis is in a fun spot from the men's side in the sense that um, you've got probably the need. I, I would say, and you know, 
I, I'm not qualified to say this, so take it with a grain of salt. Take this as somebody that is a sports fan and is deep into sports, but not necessarily the deepest into tennis. I feel like it almost couldn't have gone better for tennis this weekend or this past tournament because they needed somebody like Alcaraz to win, in my opinion. Um, you know, Federer, Joker, Nadal, Murray, like they need the 19-year-old Spaniard that was ranked three that finally got off the hump. I think um, now, while Kyrgios isn't necessarily a young buck, he's 27. So young, but not young as like, you know, somebody like a Sinner or Alcaraz or some of these others. But I think it seems like Kyrgios might be taking tennis a little bit more seriously. He seemed a little bit more locked in, even in his interviews. um, I just think there's like, he might have had, and I don't know, but almost like a a light bulb moment of like, all right, you know what? I'm 27. I'm talented enough to win one Mm -hmm. of these things. Maybe I need to lock in a tiny bit more. So that was cool to see from him. I was bummed when he lost. Yeah. Um, you know, Rude looked good. Sinner is strong. You know, he – what's he ranked now? You got Sinner ranked at – what's Sinner these days? He's 11th, you know, yeah. and he beat Alcaraz at the major last time out. So I think tennis desperately needs on the men's side a youth infusion. No, uh, I mean, shoot, I don't even know how am I even – um, I mean, Tiafo was humongous. I, I he was awesome. Yeah. Like yeah. he was awesome. And just watching him and how he fed off the crowd and, you know, I don't, how, how young is Francis? Let's see. He's 24. Yeah. I mean, I think this yeah. was a huge tournament for me. It really was. Between Tiafo, uh, Alcaraz, even Sinner making some push, Rude getting up there. Um, not that I don't love Nadal and Federer and those guys, oh, yeah. but, but those guys are clearly on the second half, you know, rounding the bases towards the end of their career. And I think it was big to get some, you know, and Coco made a good push on the women's side. Like the youth is important for that sport. And I think there was a big push there. Oh, for sure. And you bring up Rude. I watched his semifinal match and he was flat out dominant. Um, His forehand, I thought like watching him, I'm like, there's no way this dude can get beat. If they allow him to get to his forehand, it's that, it's that powerful. And then Alcaraz is just, uh, he had no problem with him. Like there, it, it was contested there towards the end, um, just because Rude he didn't want to give in. But Alcaraz, he impressed me a lot. And I, obviously, yeah. and finding out he's 19 years old, um, yeah, he, he he could have a few majors uh, by the end yeah. of his career. Yeah, I mean, you got you got Alcaraz at rank number one at 19, Rude at two at 23. Medvedev's at four at twenty six. Zverev is twenty five. I actually don't know. Again, I'm not the best tennis fan. Stefanos Sisvas. I butchered that. I apologize to to stop. That's a, so that's a, that's a really easy thing to do in tennis. Like some of these names pop up on the screen, and I'm like, uh, yeah. I don't and by the way, oh. I take pride because people butcher my last name, and my last name being of you know Belarus, Eastern European descent. I try to be good, but uh, Sitsipas, I apologize. But, you know, you got Sinner at 21 at ranked 11. Like, hopefully there's a, there's a push here. So that's big. Uh, let's do one more thing before we get um, today's guest, Jacob Truba, captain of the Rangers, um, Boehner Sports Pass holder, might I add, Jacob Truba. We'll come to him in a second. Um, let's talk about – did you see that Starbucks? Starbucks made an announcement. I did. Uh, part of partnership with Polygon. What did, what are your initial thoughts about hearing that? Well, I think as you start to kind of, this thing continues to unfold, you start to see these 
more major companies getting involved in the Web3 space. Like it's it's almost daily. There's there's news of another one, um, and it's it just speaks to everything you guys have been talking about for the last few years. You know, this is where things are going, um, and I've all I've mentioned this before in the podcast. I hadn't listened in the past to some of the things you guys have said. I now am listening intently to everything that comes out of y'all's mouths. Um, and every day it seems to further your point. So this is just another instance of that. Yeah, I, I was hyped to see it because I think big brands coming in is big just to get the mainstream involved. And what I was particularly excited about was Starbucks that I give them credit for is that I think their project, at least from what I've been able to read, is really focused on leveraging the blockchain in a way that I'm excited for the blockchain to exist in the sense that um, from my understanding, their focus with their NFT work is around a loyalty program. And I've long thought that blockchain meeting loyalty program is absolutely a win in terms of, you know, whether you're a season ticket holder for the Rangers or the Yankees or, you know, Manchester United, or you get Starbucks every day or uh, hotel loyalty programs or airline loyalty programs. I think the blockchain is an incredible platform mm -hmm. for stronger uh, loyalty programs that actually have the ability to like live generation to like, there could be legacy kind of like, you know, I think if you try to sign up and become a Packers season ticket holder, it's like a 23 year wait or something like that. Right. I think the blockchain is incredible for uh, consumer loyalty and, and branching that loyalty to future generations or friends and family. And so not only am I excited that a name brand like Starbucks is getting a space, but I'm hopeful, I'm really rooting for them to pull it off because I think what consumers need is actual real life utility from the blockchain, the NFTs to change yeah. their perception right. uh, away from like the, the lazy gimmicky perception that I think Web3 has for most people. Well, I think it gives it gives kind of the outsider something tangible. Like I, I think people need to, in, in order to be able to understand the space, um, kind of have to meet them in the middle of yeah. okay, this is this is the world I'm used to, and yep. this is this is where the world is going. You gotta kind of give them a little something to get to what that final product is, and I think that's a great way of doing it. Hundred percent. I mean, honestly, not to toot our own horn, but I think that's an initiative in the effort behind Vayner Sports Pass too, right? Mm -hmm. Where I have a lot of people that are normal people that struggle with Board Ape Yacht Club or Doodles or whatever. But when I talk to them about Vayner Sports Pass, if they're a sports fan, I say, hey, by owning this, it gets you access to athletes, experiences, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, oh, that I understand. That's cool. And so I, to your point, I agree with you. And I think Starbucks is making a great step towards that. And so I'm excited by it. Yeah. And obviously, over the last couple of weeks, you have been balls to the wall when it comes to the black card and, yeah. uh, and the reception from it, the the things that are coming out of it, the just the drops that people are getting, like it's it's impressive. So well, I appreciate kudos that, to you. Yeah, we're man. trying. Me and the team, we're trying out here. Um, no, I appreciate that. It's exciting times for sure. So um, with that, let's pivot. Let's bring on our guest, Jacob Truba, as I mentioned, captain of the New York Rangers. Um, somebody that I've had the pleasure of getting to know over the last couple of months, uh, playing some golf with, which uh, I'm excited to talk about. And yeah, let's bring him on. So, Jacob, man, welcome, uh, and thanks for doing the show, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's, um, let's get you introduced a bit to everybody listening. Tell, you know, you grew up in Michigan. Uh, 
I, from what I know about Michigan, I spent a lot of time there, but hockey's a big part of that culture. Um, and I, you know, I went to Boston University, big hockey school on that front. I always remembered it was basically like the New England area and that Michigan, Minnesota area are like really the, the U.S. based kind of hockey powerhouses. Tell us a little bit about growing up in Michigan and was like, was it love at first sight? Did, did you grow up with a stick in your hand? Like, what did that look like for you? Um, yes. Well, growing up, it was a lot of Michigan, Chicago, not as much Boston Fresh, just because Chicago and Toronto were always closer. Those we could just drive. So a lot of our tournaments were Chicago, Detroit, Toronto was a lot of the traveling I did as a, a young kid, but uh, I got a kind of different story. I'd say growing up with hockey, uh, no one, no one ever played hockey in my family. Uh, neither of my parents, my dad never skated. And my older brother, who's two years older than me, wanted to go with one of his friends to skate. And my dad was like, yep, you're coming. Like, you're going to try this thing out. And I absolutely hated it. I was crying the whole time. I was, there's a, a <laughs> video of me. I was probably four or five at the time. Okay. And there's, there's a video of me, like my head would pop over the, the boards and then I'd fall right down, pop up, fall right down. I was crying. And my dad's like, you got to make one, one lap around and see if you like it. And by the end, I wasn't completely crying. Um, but got off and ended up playing with my older brother's team, just house hockey, whatever, in, in uh, Rochester. And it kind of just went from there. And I never really thought much of it. Um, I always enjoyed playing, had fun. That was always my parents' thing was to have fun. And whatever happens, happens. There was nothing really expected out of it. And probably around fifth grade, I never thought I was really any great. I was a little overweight. And I was getting lapped on, on a lot of things. I wasn't the greatest skater. Um, and then around fifth grade team started kind of calling for me to come play travel hockey and whatnot, and kind of found my way through there and ended up playing for a team in Plymouth, uh, called CompuWare. And that was a pretty big commitment at the time because it was basically an hour drive for my parents three times a week, which was a pretty substantial commitment for them, which yeah. I'm very thankful for. And then I kind of just started progressing and getting better and still didn't really think anything of it. thought maybe I could go to college and maybe get a scholarship. And then eighth grade, Michigan asked me to come take a visit. And that was kind of where my eyes opened and was like, oh, maybe I'm actually decent at this thing and could make something out of it. And but it's always just been a, a fun thing. And I mean, it's kind of cliche to say now, but still to this day, it's when I stop having fun, I'll go get a real job and do something else. <laughs> Now, yeah, I think we've all been there. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah. At some point, the dream ends. But uh, hockey, hockey is it's it's a different game. It's physical. It's I, I kind of liken. I mean, especially someone like you who's a hard hitter and goes after people and gets after it. But you off the ice seem kind and emotional and just a, a loving person. How do you switch? I mean, I, I, are you more like MMA? Like you can just go crazy at one point and be normal and on others or where, what, where do you pull from? I'm not, I, as weird as it sounds, I'm pretty calm on the ice. Like I've found that when I get too hot headed at a young age, when I would get too like fired up and start running around trying to hit people, whatever, I wasn't any good. So even like when the hits happen or whatever throughout the course of the season, like I'm pretty calm in the moment. Like it's, I'm not, too fired up, screaming, yelling. There's times I get like that, but usually not. Um, it's just kind of always been a part of how I play, I guess. It's uh, growing up, I was I was bigger as a kid. Like I said, I was a little overweight. 
Um, and then kind of everybody went through puberty and passed me up. And then I was kind of smaller. And then I went through puberty later and kind of passed everyone up again. And that was when things kind of started turning for me, I guess. Um, but yeah, fu funny story is one of my wife's best friends who's in New York. We hang out with her all the time. We met her in, or she knew her before college, but I met her in college and, uh, she was showing her grandma was watching a playoff game or something last year and was like trying to explain that I was nice. And like, we hang out <laughs> and she watched the game. And like, at one point she turned to her, he's like, he doesn't seem very nice. Like, I'm not sure you should be hanging out with him. <laughs> <laughs> so she told my wife and we laughed about it, but that's yeah, funny. It's uh, it's definitely uh, put on a helmet and go do a job and get off the ice and be yourself and be a, a good, good human. Oh yeah. Back to uh, your story earlier. You know, I, I've had spent a lot of time with professional athletes and I've, I'm always curious about like that upbringing and the path towards, you know, becoming a professional and, you know, the way you described it actually reminds me of a conversation I had with one of our baseball players, a guy named Luke Jackson with the Braves. And he was telling me a, a semi-similar story of like, yeah, I did it. Like my brother was playing, so I did it. And, you know, I never really thought. I was going to play in the league and I, maybe I'd go to very similar to how you described it. And I was like, wait, like, what were you throwing in high school? I was, oh, I was like throwing like 95. I'm like, you were throwing 95 at 17. <laughs> like, so same kind of question for you, Jacob. Like, are you, are you really humble or were you delusional or were you lost? Like, at, how are you getting an invite to Michigan, but like not realizing you were good? Did you like, what stemmed from that? Was your brother, or his friends better? Did you always play up? Like, how does somebody get invited to Michigan and doesn't realize that they got it like you have it? Uh, early on, I always played up with my brother. And that was a yeah. big, it was more just because they were making one trip to the rink. Right. <laughs> so I was going right. to be on that team. That was a huge part for me, for sure, playing with older players at a young age. Um, and then just found my way back. But that's one thing I always tell when I talk to whoever younger kids, they ask me, was kind of be naive to how good you are. Mm -hmm. Don't think you're that great. You're you might be really good, but the guys who are really good when we were 16, 17 aren't playing hockey anymore. And the guys who make it are, have, right. have different paths. And there's no set answer to how you get there. And everyone kind of just takes their own journey. And that was just kind of how mine unfolded. Cause I, like, I didn't grow up thinking hockey right. all the time. And there, I, this, this is a conversation. My dad, we'd always have conversations in the car driving to and from practice and I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I think I was 15, 16. I was in high school and I still wanted to play in the NHL. And like my dad knew that. And so he gave me kind of a breakdown. He wasn't like discouraging me or anything, but he, mm -hmm. he's like, you know how many people like make it to the NHL and like how many jobs open up each year with guys retiring and phasing out of the league or whatever it may be. And then you dwindle that down to defensemen. Like you got to be like the 0.001% if you think like this is what you want to do. And I was like, I didn't say this to him, but in my head, I was like, yeah, dad, don't worry, I got it. <laughs> but that was just kind of a funny story. He, I think he so do you think, a, do you think it was your parents? Moment, yeah, was it your bit. parents that kind of drove like a humble aspect of like, don't buy your own hype, don't put the car before the horse? Like, I think so. I mean, they, never, they never really let me buy into it. Um, like agents come around pretty early in hockey, right. even earlier now. And he, my dad basically shielded everyone away from me, not for his own good, but he's like, you know, talk to them when you're 18 and you want to make a decision of what you want to do or 17, 18, whatever it was. And when that time came, he kind of vetted who he thought I should meet with. And we sat down yeah. with, I think it was four or five. And he's like, all right, you pick from here. Like these are all good yeah. guys. Like this is your choice, your future, you make your decision. But 
I'm pretty thankful for a lot of the stuff he did to not let anything go to my head and just let me be a kid and grow up. And I'm real thankful for that now. You made a really good point in that um, and something that should probably get talked about more when it comes to youth sports now. And it's almost become a business in some in a lot of phases, especially in baseball. I'm sure hockey, it's it's kind of the same. But you don't know what you're going to be at eight, nine years old. I didn't know what I was going to be at 11, 12 years old. I had three, four kids better than me on my 12U team. Um, and it wasn't until I started to mature and started to understand what my body was going to do and what I was physically capable of doing before I became a person who could even think about playing professional sports. So it's, you, it's first, first and foremost, the same thing your dad was preaching was have fun, like enjoy what you're doing. Um, and if you're good enough to do, to play at that next level, whether it be college and then professionally, that'll show, but you have to enjoy what you do. And I think that's something that if you're successful as you are, um, you got to enjoy it. You got to have fun and obviously be really good at it. But being humble is that confidence. And I always tell people, you got to kind of walk that line between cockiness and confidence. Yep. Well, yeah. I fully know I'm the best player uh, on this ice or field. Um, but outwardly, I would just show that I, I'm one of the guys. But inwardly, there's no, there's no one that can stop me. Or yeah, that, in your case, you can, I'll just go through you. I think growing up, my brothers would give you a different answer on my arrogance versus my friends and people outside. <laughs> um, but yeah, at home, I would uh, definitely not shy of confidence. But that's okay. uh, that's being comfortable at home. And they all understand me and get me. And But yeah, they would give you a different answer on that than a lot of my friends. <laughs> how many How many siblings do you have? I have two. I have an older brother and a younger brother. My, okay, so my older middle. one stopped playing. Yeah, he stopped playing when he was in ninth grade. Mm -hmm. uh, he played football and baseball in high school. And then my little brother just stopped two years ago. He played in juniors in, in Johnstown. And he coached there last year. And he's kind of finding his way now. But I think he's done, yeah. done playing as well. Got it. What about, um, you know, you were drafted at a very highly at a young age. Like, what was... You know, similar to Vernon, by the way. But what were you like? Nineteen, Jacob, when you got drafted. How 18. old were you when you got? You're eighteen. 18. Vernon, you're yep. eight, you're eighteen, right? I was eighteen. Yeah. And then you were both top ten picks. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. to that point, like, I've heard Vernon talk about it. What's it like being eighteen and being a top ten pick in the NHL? Like, what was that? What was draft night like for you? How was it carrying like that badge of honor with like your friends and your family? Like, what was that experience? Um, it was, I remember it, it was fun spending it with my family. I had a lot, we do a, my dad's side of the family does a trip every year and the trip was the draft. So all my, a lot of my aunts and uncles on that side were there and cousins. So I had a big, uh, big supportive family there. Just the day was kind of a, a whirlwind. Obviously you're nervous. You don't know exactly where you're going to end up and what's going to happen. Uh, once it happened, I think the message was like, this is now a start more than a finish. I feel like a lot of people view it as I'm wanting to get drafted. I want to get drafted, but you have to realize the draft is now a start of a new chapter, not really a closure of the or the last or reaching a goal you, you wanted to achieve. Um, so I didn't really think too much into it. I kind of went home and went back to my house with my parents. and was the same person. I think I found that time and again, after you accomplish something or do something, you come home and, you're the same person you were three hours ago before it happened. So um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a, a fun day. And then going into school, obviously, there's you have that on you, but that never really bothered what, me. Uh, I would say. What month is the hockey draft? Uh, July, June, June July. or July, late June. So, I think. so did you get drafted right after you graduated high school? Yeah, everybody's entered into the draft at 18 for hockey. Got it. Got so it. So I got drafted out of. I went to the development program. Uh, but, for but but hypothetically. But hypothetically, you could be because sometimes hockey. I've seen this and I've read about this. Like, you might have a kid that's a nineteen-year-old senior, for example, right? Is it you have to be yeah. out of high school or you have to be eighteen? You, know? uh, you have to be eighteen, and then you kind of can shuffle around leagues from there. Like, okay. There's a lot of different paths to go. I, I'm thinking about it more from like the perspective of like you didn't go back into class the next day and see your fellow high school classmates right because no it would have been after just, after yeah. graduating got it and then got going it. to college is usually or guys go back to junior yep. go to junior go right. back to somewhere right and there's a lot of different routes you can you can take in hockey got it and then you you made your debut in the nhl really young too yeah uh yep so i went to michigan for a year mm-hmm. and loved it and there was always the talk of going to play in canada and going to college i always wanted to go to college grew up in michigan um and red berenson was my coach there he was a legendary hockey coach um and he always told me he's like hey when you're ready to go like i'm not stopping you like uh, i'll drive you to the airport and i was i wanted to stay a second year honestly and everyone's like you should go and i'm like i'm having a great time here like i want to keep going here and i went from the end of the year meeting with him and he's like you should definitely go and that was kind of the thing that pushed me over the ledge because there's you never really know like I didn't want to leave and play in the minors I'd rather play in college if that was the case and you never really know what that jump is until you do it it's kind of a leap of faith and he was he was the one who kind of gave me the the nudge that pushed me over the edge of like this guy believes I can do this like I now's my time let's do it so being in New York uh, professional sports teams are a big deal in New York Uh, passionate fans um, when you have a C on your chest, um, that is that is a special thing, especially being in New York. Uh, how have you been able to handle that? Has it been extra pressure on you, um, knowing that you're in the same same boat as the captain himself, Derek Jeter? Like when it comes to me, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's been fun. I've definitely enjoyed the summer. I think there are going to be some challenges ahead for sure when when the season starts up. Um, but same thing as I've kind of said before is went home and I was hanging out with my wife and dogs as the same guy I was when I woke up before it happened. And that's the kind of thing I've heard from people I've talked to, whether it's business people or former athletes, as you don't, you don't need to reinvent yourself. You don't need to change yourself. Like there's a reason this happened. Mm -hmm. It's because you are who you are. And that's kind of the biggest thing. Like I'm still going to lean on the other guys on the team. I've, talk with them like not much is going to really change like I'm not going to show up tomorrow and be a a new person like I'm, I'm going to be myself be true to myself and I'm going to need help I'm going to ask guys for help I'm going to lean on other guys and that's that's kind of how we operated last year and I don't see much reason to change it this year yeah I think the guys around you would quickly notice the change in, yeah. in who you are for sure and that's the one thing guys like guys can see through things mm-hmm. that are fake pretty easily especially when you get mm-hmm. to this level and guys have been around they played um, then no one, one, no one's going to follow that guy. No one's going to really listen or like, you, you got to be yourself and be true to yourself and not much is going to change for me. I don't think. Yeah. 
What about uh, what about off the ice, Jacob? What about um, you know, did you grow up playing other sports? Do you what are some of your hobbies outside of sports these days? Uh, yeah, grew up playing pretty much everything. Golf. I played baseball in high school for a year before I had to give that up. Um, never played football. A lot of golf, baseball, hockey. Um, now I'm into a lot of different things. <laughs> um, oh. Big into watch collecting. Not a lot of people okay. know that, but I like watches. Um, I tr- my wife started working this summer, so I had a lot of free time on my hands. And I have a buddy who's an artist over, has a studio in Brooklyn. So I ventured over there with him a good amount this summer and started a painting. So I have a painting that I did, <laughs> nice. which is a little different. Um, that's the New York in me. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a lot of that was basically my summer. A lot of golfing, painting, and hanging out. I mean, there's so much to do here and new things pretty much every day. So there's always things coming through here. Like, try and go check out as much as I can. How's your golf game? Uh, it's okay. It starts out good, and then it kind of I think about it too much, and then I start working out, and the body gets all out of whack, gets sore, and then the golf game goes. South very fast. <laughs> same, same. I can, same get locked, right? I, can, I can get locked in for like nine holes, and then after that, it's just wheels off. Yep. <laughs> it's, a, it's a demoralizing game. So I had the pleasure, uh, Troops and I played, I don't know, like a month ago uh, with a couple of buddies. We played Liberty National, which was sick. Uh, a friend of ours belongs there. And yeah, uh, Jacob, how much do you play? Because I feel like... I feel like you could be really, 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 really good if you like practice and played a lot yeah. more. I tried uh, basically probably at least once a week this summer. Yeah. Sometimes twice. Yeah, you it's ever 100... get out to practice though? No, that's my problem. Yeah, that's 100 the... yards yeah. and in is not good. And that's where I <laughs> yeah. spend probably 70% of my strokes. And that's where so much, that's exactly, that's where you can make yeah. up those strokes and score. So during, during the pandemic, our, we had a place in Florida and we had a golf simulator in the building. Mm-hmm. And my wife was studying all day for school. And so I would go down there with the dogs and just hit golf balls for like hours. Yep. And so my game got pretty good then. But same yep. thing, you can't really practice a short game down there. But right. hitting a ball, I'm decent. How much do you think is tran- translatable from, you know, shooting a hockey puck? Like, is there any correlation with the hand-eye or the, the hips? Or how much do you I, I kind of – yeah. I mean, it yeah. emulates a slap shot pretty, pretty closely with the hip turn and – transition but um yeah i wouldn't say hands are my specialty so that doesn't (laughs) doesn't help me around the greens right so but more like off the tee or longer woods like you're getting a a lot of that distance from that torque from the high it's just a familiar motion for sure yeah yeah vernon would you say the same because i've seen i actually have seen i might be the only person in the world that has seen both of you hit a golf ball uh so I'm, (laughs) i'm i'm Highly qualified. I mean, Vern, you murder the ball as well. Both of you murder the ball. But is it that hip from the baseball swing, home run swing? Like, is that a similar type of thing yeah. that translates? Unfortunately, in my swing, yes. Um, <laughs> which means the ball can go anywhere it wants to at any given point. But, yeah, I think it's we've, – we've been so used to hitting an object with a stick – that it's just a different different way of doing it and figure out what looks right and try to emulate other golf swings. And then, yeah, then at that point, just try to hit the ball as far as I can. So I'm kind of in the same boat as you when I get around the green. I could, I could be good or I could be another 100 yards on the other side of it, just depending on how <laughs> I catch it. That's how it goes for me. 
Yeah. Where's uh, where's your favorite course you've ever played? Ooh, ever played? I'm, I was lucky enough to play Wingfoot a couple of times this mm-hmm. summer. That's uh, just the history and yeah. how hard the course is without having water. You rarely lose a ball out there, but somehow right. you're shooting high 80s. It's like tough well, to get greens. low 80s for me. Yeah, greens are hard, and it's not like a tricky course or gimmicky course in any way. So that's a uh, that's a fun one. I like Liberty. That's a really cool spot. Um, where else? I played Sabonic, a charity mm. thing, two years ago out on in the Hamptons. Yeah, that was a beautiful place. Yeah, those probably top I'm, three. Yeah, I haven't. I played the other two. I haven't played Sabonic yet, but I've only heard awesome yeah, things. It's a pretty amazing place. Fern, what about you? You ever get onto a great track before? Um, probably the nicest one has been the Madison Club uh, on California. It's okay. not too many people have ever played it. Uh, somehow we got on it because of Michael Young. And mm-hmm. it is, it was one of those courses, like you kind of look around, it's like, this is everything is as green as can be. Mm-hmm. You can drive literally up to the greens because they just don't care. Like it's just, <laughs> it's like, like a chill. Yeah. Very chill. Yeah. It was, it was as nice as it can. Uh, so I, I've almost haven't even played since then because everything's been downhill. Since then. <laughs> it's all downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, let's see. What about, uh, what about getting traded? So you're traded from the Jets to the Rangers. I'm always fascinated to hear the story of what's it like to go from one place to another? How do you adapt to the new locker room and all that? Yeah, I had a bit of an interesting situation, I would say. I think uh, getting drafted to Winnipeg, played there, love it, love my teammates, love the city. My wife is practices medicine. She's a doctor now and she couldn't practice there. And so when it came time, like, do you want to sign long-term? I was like, I, I don't because I got to get somewhere where we can live together. That was our goal. Our dream was to find our way somewhere where we could both have our careers, which is pretty unique. I would say not a lot of athletes have to navigate that. So there's a lot of whatever in the media with me wanting mm-hmm. out and all that. And I think the guys in the room understood. I never felt that was a poor teammate to anybody there or like I, I honestly enjoyed my time there. Um, but it wasn't really a secret that I wanted to get traded. Yep. Um, and so I ended up getting traded to New York. And it was interesting for sure because, I, I mean, growing up in Michigan, I've never been anywhere like this. I came here on vacation one time as a kid. stayed in Times Square. Right. Shows you how much I know <laughs> New York. Yeah. Um, and I, like, I just couldn't really wrap my head around not having a car in a garage and mm-hmm. walking out my back door and whatever. And so the first year was a big adjustment for sure. I think just it took me a long, long time to get comfortable. Um, my wife was in Florida finishing her uh, med school degree, so she wasn't really here. It was just a, a tough time of adjusting for me. Um, and then pandemic happened, and you now she's up here, and everything just kind of came together. The last two years have been much, much smoother. I feel very comfortable. love playing here. love the city. We Sold our place in Florida. We're full-time New Yorkers now. It's I'll stay here as long as I possibly can. This place is probably my favorite place I've, I've ever been in the world. So it's a special thing and not something that uh, I take lightly. And, I mean, we wake up days and we're just like, we can't believe that we made it here and we're doing what we've always dreamed of doing. And she's practicing and I'm doing what I want to do. And somehow we're making this thing work, which is great. 
Man, that's uh, that that doesn't happen very often where two of you can practice and yeah, play. and insanely, yeah. In, insanely fortunate that New York ended up being the spot. Yeah, and that's like that's there's awesome. so much opportunity for her here, and obviously, I couldn't be happier playing here. <laughs> yeah, New York's a special place, man. We had so I got a chance to play an old Yankee Stadium for years, and guys hated going to New York. It's like. Why, why would you ever hate going to New York? It's like, well, some some people are able to deal with fans better than others. Some people are able to just deal with just how many people are there. Um, but from the first day I got, I went to New York to visit and play against, obviously old Yankee Stadium and people are crazy and telling, yelling and saying things that just shouldn't be said out loud, which I, <laughs> I loved um, to walk around the city and just, so many different cultures, so many different people, and then finally get a chance to play there for one year after being kind of a, a, a quiet Yankee fan, even though I had to play against them all my life. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a special place. Yeah, there was always, when I was in Winnipeg, this was always one of the first places you'd look at on the, the calendar mm -hmm. when the schedule would come out is when's the trip to New York. And I mean, it's always great to play. MSG was probably my favorite place to play in as a visitor. And now I get to play here half the years. Yeah. Pretty special. Vern, where did you live when you played for the Yankees? Uh, upper, upper East Side. I was at like upper East Side. Yeah, 67th and 1st, I think is what it was. Okay, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Troops, you're a bit of a foodie too. Any uh, any restaurant favorites in uh, Manhattan? Ooh, we've go -tos? found ourselves not leaving our little neighborhood, which is a problem okay. lately. <laughs> we've just gotten too comfortable going locally around here. Yeah. Um, Sushi Zoe is one of my favorites in Midtown. That was, we, a friend took us there early on and we yep. tried to get back there a decent amount. We ended up going to La Conda Verde all the time. It's right down the street mm -hmm. from us. Um, That's a great spot. There's so, I don't know. There's so many. It's crazy. We try, we well, early on, it. before Kelly started working, we tried to try somewhere every week or a couple of weeks, knew that we yeah. hadn't been to. And I mean, some of the experiences are just next level. Yeah. Only get them in New York food experiences. There's a funny anecdote I heard a while ago that it's literally physically impossible. If you decide I'm going to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner at a new restaurant every day, if you look at the churn of restaurants in Manhattan, you literally can't do it because there'll be new restaurants closing and opening. Like you'll never yep. you have three meals a day at three different places in Manhattan you'll never be able to get them all because it'll just I have too much that. turnover. And yeah, it just, and it seems like there's so many new spots opening exactly. like post pandemic. Like a yeah. lot of, everything's coming back and it's exactly, there's a lot of new stuff opening right now, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. um, mm. What about goals for the upcoming season? It's almost time. Like where, where's your head at? What are some of the goals that you set for this year? Um, huh. I think, uh, there's a lot of expectations coming into this year that our team will address and talk about and kind of not live by expectations set by, by others. I think we're going to try to figure out what makes us tick and what made us successful last year and pick the things that we want to emulate and, and build this year. Um, but it's a new year. I mean, we've got to turn the page, I think, is step one and last year's over and it's time to start fresh game one. We're not in the playoffs. We're not in the Easter Conference Finals. We're fighting for this thing just to make the playoffs. And that's got to be our, our mindset going into the first game. 
And I mean, goals, I'm not big on sharing personal goals. Okay. Don't, um, and then don't. Yeah. All good. Team goals, I think, are decided with, with everyone. Obviously, we all obviously want to win the Stanley Cup at the end of the day. How we get there, I think, is what we're going to talk about. And personally, I just want to keep growing. I think leadership is something that I've worked on a lot and I want to continue to get better at. And when I feel like I'm leading, by example, I'm usually playing pretty good hockey. And that's when, that's when I feel most comfortable and that's not really a goal, but I want to stay in that mindset and keep that attitude as much as I can throughout the season. Okay. I'm, I have an off-the-wall question for you. And since there's millions of people in New York and they probably, some of them end up in hospitals, um, craziest story your wife has come home with? Oh, gosh. In New York or in Florida? <laughs> went to med school in Florida. Florida's okay. a different place. Yeah, Florida's Florida, a different place. Flor- Florida man does X. Like, yeah. always the head. Let's go Florida. I want to hear. Let's or, go Florida. Or overall. Yeah, Florida. Uh, how graphic do you want to get here? <laughs> uh, keep it like NC-17. Is that one of the things? Okay. Like, That's one of them. It doesn't have to be rated G wholesome, but, you know, I'm I don't want to. Sure like I'm allowed to you tell know, I don't you, want, but... I don't want you looking bad either. At least there's no yeah, names attached to it, so we're good. Patient right. in Florida who had gangrene, which is like a flesh-eating yeah, bacteria. Yeah. Don't look it up, but that's what it is. And it spread crazy areas. And she, her doctor that she was working under basically handed her a scalpel and was like, hey, like start cutting out all the dead tissue. And when we're done, like you got to clean it all out. And they have like, it's kind of, she described it as like a suctiony squirt gun. And the doctor left and she was left there with, the patient basically like open and she's sitting there like cleaning out all his wounds and cuts and it wasn't good i think he got i don't want to get too much detail i don't want to get her in trouble but uh, yeah, i think was he the got patient awake? uh yeah i think so but like he has no feeling like it's all dead yeah, tissue yeah, 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 yeah. And, like yeah so he doesn't even know what's going on and i think he got airlifted shortly after to a different unit and that's the last that she heard <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah that was an interesting yeah. story for her to tell yeah, see, I can't even skate and I choose hockey over that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I, some days I'm like, I'm uh, all good. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm I've learned to, if she wants to talk about her day, she knows she can talk about it, but I don't go asking how was work today anymore. <laughs> yeah, you don't want those stories. Ooh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know, like, I'll watch, you know, if my wife's watching Grey's Anatomy or this, any medical show, and there's some, like, if I'm watching on TV and somebody comes in with gangrene, I'm kind of like, uh, like, yeah, let me know when it's done. Like I'm out on that. Yeah, she so has a lot of those. Problem. It's medicine. I've learned a lot of medicine too. Like it's not, nothing's really black and white. It's very right. like try to figure it out. And so problem solving, she does internal medicine. So she basically gets patients from the ER and has to kind of navigate and figure out what the issue is. And that's yeah, uh, it's cause she's good at it, but it's, Definitely. You have, to be a special, you have to be a special type of person to do that type of work. Cause yeah. you look at the three of us and we're all like squirming in our chairs. Now you yeah. want to talk about <laughs> it. So kudos to your wife. That's, that's incredible. And something I could never do. Yeah. She's got a couple, she's had a couple of monkey pox patients here. Damn. So that's, yeah. Uh, she doesn't give me much detail on those, but she's told me she has, I think she's had yeah. two. So yeah. I haven't heard you know, not to go down that path, but I haven't heard a lot about monkeypox recently. Like it had a big moment. Yeah. It hasn't, thankfully, from what I can tell, it hasn't really been spreading like wildfire. So yeah. that's probably not hearing much about it. It's definitely out there. Oh yeah. 
What about, um, so this is pretty cool, um, you know, for the Vayner Sports Pass listeners, you're actually a holder. Um, yes. You have and recently acquired a double hockey hollow. Um, and in the NFT space, is that your first and only? Have you messed around with some others? Like, what's your NFT journey been like? Uh, I was interested early when it was a lot of hype around it yep. and everything. And I understand it. I get it. I didn't buy anything at the time, but I looked around it. Um, so yeah, I got, that was my first one that I've actually nice. owned. Um, I've looked at some others. What are you, what are you looking at? I, What's caught your eye? What's interesting you? I like the fly fish. Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> I think I want to get you. one of those to have. Yeah. We'll figure um, that out. And yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like, the, I like more of the collaborative ones. I don't Nike did a collaboration with someone. I think you have a couple of them or one of them. Do not. Nike, Nike. Yeah, I no, I do. Uh, are you talking about the uh, the Clone X? Maybe. The, uh, yeah, or um, Garrett yeah, showed so me. Ba- them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, there's a company called Artifact. They were doing these really cool, kind of like digital streetwear NFTs a while back, um, and then Nike bought them uh, yeah. for a large sum. Don't know the exact. Well, let me phrase. I know the number because. Full disclosure, we were investors, but it's not, I don't think it's a public number, so I won't say it. And uh, and then since then, they've done some cool things. So, like, for example, they just did a drop where um, their profile picture project is called Clone X. And if you own certain Clone Xs, you're able to mint certain digital apparel that you could then redeem for physical. So, like, sneakers, hoodies, you know, joggers, cool. et cetera. So, and I, I like the I like NFTs with some sort of tangible mm-hmm. along with it. So like I, obviously what you guys do, you get a unique experience. Yep. I like more of that, like the restaurant. I'm not kind of like the intersection between I, I was very I was very interested in Zed Run for a while too. Yeah. The horses. Yeah. I think I, that's I, a really I, cool business. Yes. Yeah. Uh, are you into horse racing? Yes and no. Like I would go to the horse track sometimes in Florida with my uncle, yeah. but I'm not like an avid follower of horse I racing. Gotcha. I well, enjoy I going mean, from time to time. How, how many avid, like how many people know horse <laughs> racing? Like they know hockey or baseball or football. Like it's got to be a yeah, very small. Be, there's some though, community. for sure. No, it's, and by the way, I'm blown away by it. Cause like, I like betting ponies. Um, you know, we had the Meadowlands like 45 minutes away from where I grew up. I just did a bachelor party in Saratoga. I'll even like, I like going to a sports book and betting ponies too. Like I like it. Um, and I know how to read the book, at, you know, to an yeah. extent. But I'm always blown away when somebody's like, oh, that jockey's won its last three, or this horse is the son of that stallion. I'm like, man, that's wild. That's really yeah. in it. The one we go to um, in Florida has like a little mini like book that we mm-hmm. get, and then they have like the expanded like big ones. Yep. I don't even – like it's like all their past records or times yeah. or yeah. quarter miles or yep. like, everything is in there. And I'm like, no, nah, just give me the little book. I'm good. I don't yeah. understand. Give me, exactly. give me the odds. Give me the names. Yeah. Give me their numbers. Make some picks. You should, uh, you should check out this other project. One, I think Zed is still interesting, and I'm a Zed holder and, and like what they're up to. And then two, there's another project called Silks. Um, I'll text you about it. It's pretty cool because I'm somebody that like when I was like 17, 18, said to myself, hey, if I get to a place where I have some money, I like the idea of like owning a horse instead of betting on a yeah. horse, actually having skin in the game. And then when I got some money and looked into it, I'm like, wait a minute. Housing the horse is expensive. Feeding the horse is Training the Taking horse. care of the horse is insane. Well, and then also, <laughs> like, I like to think of myself as a fairly empathetic individual. 
I also was kind of like, man, like I get a horse, I'm going to like love this horse. And if it fucking breaks its leg and it has to be put down, like, I don't want that. I can't yeah. do that. So I, I hit the eject button on that idea. Once I looked at the cost and kind of like the emotional attachment, but what Silks is doing is kind of like, think of it as almost like a dynasty league fantasy sports game where they're actually going to be minting horses in parallel to the real life births. Cause when a horse gets born for thoroughbred, yeah. it's actually in a registry. And so you can actually like own a horse. That's actually a real horse. So you could buy an NFT for this random horse. And then a year or two later, that horse might actually be running Saratoga or the track down in Florida. And there's a model where like, if that horse wins the race, you win. And so that, that's kind of a cool, cool intersection. It kind of speaks to what you're talking about. Like just real fractionalizing life. The horse? Yeah. Yeah. Well, not necessarily fractionalizing because you would actually own it entirely, but there's like, there's a metaverse with stables and you would actually stable your horse somewhere and it gets insane. <laughs> but <laughs> I like that uh, idea better it, than, but it's cool, horse. right? Like those are the constructs that I'm excited for the blockchain to explore. So I feel you, I'm kind of in the same boat, you know, even though I've, have purchased heavily in the speculative nature of buying art and PFPs. I've always gravitated towards like that real world intersection of stuff too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That is a whole nother world right there. Like it's, <laughs> to think, to think if we're having this discussion like three years ago when it comes to horse racing and this is the future of horse racing, we all would have looked at each other and we're like, that Nobody, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. hundred percent. You're absolutely yeah. right. Nobody but now, now we're getting to that point. It's exciting. And I think it's, Anytime we have these conversations about NFTs and I'm on a chat with these guys, so I just sit back and read and read about everything that they're talking about and the way they're talking about it. It's, most of it's over my head, but it's so educational to know that, I mean, this is this is what the future is. So you better start to yeah. truly understand it. I'm definitely in the learning mode still. Like there's yeah. a lot, a lot of catching up for me to do on it, but uh yeah, I mean, it's still relatively new, too. Like it's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got a ways to go, I think. Oh, yeah. It does. It does. Um, let's uh, let's wrap here in a moment. But one question I want to ask you, that's just kind of like a fun one within the community. We ask everybody that comes on, on the sports side, um, what is your favorite fast food joint? Ooh. Um, one thing that there is no fast food in New York, really. Like right. I rarely find myself going to fast food right. here anymore. Um, growing up, or I, I was a big college. like hockey tournaments was always Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's, okay, if that counts as fast food. Yeah, I think that counts. Jimmy John's and Subway was like you have yeah. three games in a day, like in between yeah. each game you eat a sub. <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> what I did growing up. Hockey tournaments, I felt yeah, like there was a lot of. I'll take the Jimmy John's answer. I like it too because I'm fairly sure that's we we've probably asked like twenty athlete so far and i think it's the first jimmy john's answer first jimmy so, john's <laughs> yeah i think it's the first one so i definitely want to count it based on that yeah i, mean, I did eat a lot of fast food as a kid um, yeah but yeah jimmy john's would be my my go-to okay all right what's what's your favorite sport outside of hockey to play or to watch to yeah. watch um to play definitely golf just because yeah. it's something that i'll never be as good as i want to be at i don't think yeah, and that's what keeps me coming back. Um, to watch, uh, probably football to watch. I just think that's I. I watch football with like buddies who play football, and like they mm -hmm. understand defenses and what like they're trying to accomplish. I don't watch it. And I don't understand it that well. Right. But I do like watching football. I think they're 
the diversity of the athlete on the field is right. crazy to me. Like you have a guy who's six four, like three hundred pounds, running like the a sprint, like I three times faster than I can run it. And then you have wide receivers who are flying around. I don't know. It's just a very unique sport, and that there's so many different types of players. Yeah, and I, I don't think I don't think you guys get enough credit for how, how athletic you guys are and how physically demanding playing your sport is. Like it's. I've seen I've seen you guys behind the scenes and the work that it takes and it's it's amazing. So I I wish people, more people would truly understand what it takes to be a professional hockey player. It it can be hard at times. Like it's, when you're dealing with injuries, I think is when it's the hardest mm-hmm. and you're trying to play through something and you can either stop and it gets better, but you can't play for three weeks, or you kind of grind through it and maybe it takes six weeks to get better. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of guys take the six week. I would say almost every guy takes a six week yeah. route and nobody knows, but that's yep. not an easy thing to, to grind through. No doubt. Makes perfect sense. Well, listen, brother, appreciate you stopping by and jamming with us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, thank you guys for having appreciate, me. Appreciate yeah, you man. being a member of the Vayner Sports Pass community as well. So this was great. I love it. Love awesome. it. All right. Thank you guys. Cool, man. Right, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Going Deep. To learn more about Vayner Sports Pass, please follow us on Twitter at VS Pass. Also, don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel.